Welcome to the PaxTex Podcast, available on iTunes. This is episode 43 of the show where we talk about everything to do with the passenger experience. I'm Mary Kirby, and I'm joined by my co-host, Max Flight. Max, how are you doing? Very well, Mary. I'm great. My little brother just had a daughter and made me Uncle Max, but I'm going to restrain myself and not send you baby pictures so we can focus on PaxX. Well, congratulations to your family. That's very exciting, Max. Thank you. Uh, before we get started, we'd like to thank eGate Solutions for sponsoring this week's podcast. We all want happy passengers. They buy more and they're likely to be more loyal to your airline. But delivering a positive passenger experience is hard when you're relying on legacy systems and manual processes. eGate Solutions provides the technology behind onboard services, connecting and automating every step of an airline's operations from the warehouse to the passenger. With eGate, you can spend less time and money on the process and more on optimizing the passenger experience, which really is what we are all in the business of delivering. Visit eGate Solutions online at www.egate-solutions.com or email them at info at egate-solutions to learn more. Now, it is my great pleasure to introduce our guest today. Tomas Romero is an award-winning writer and producer from Los Angeles. He has written dozens of screenplays for such studios as Paramount, Sony, 20th Century Fox, Telemundo, and MTV, two of, it, two of which rather were produced as feature films. A contributing editor at Runway Girl Network since March of 2014, Tomas Romero pens our popular IFE film review column, and his work has also appeared in such publications as Airline Passenger Experience Magazine, Airline Retail News, and Aircraft Interiors International. Wow, Tomas, that's quite a resume. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks. You made me sound too good. <laughs> That's great. How are you doing? Good. Great. Thanks for having me. This is so exciting. I've never done anything like this, so it'll be fun. <laughs> Fantastic. It will definitely be fun. So, Tomas, uh, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thanks. Let's take a look at some of the PaxX news stories making headlines. First, it's Oscars season, and several of this year's higher-profile Oscar nominees are currently playing on in-flight entertainment screens or streaming to passengers' mobile devices across the globe. Tomas, you're an expert in Hollywood content. What Oscar-nominated films are you recommending to passengers? Well, it's interesting. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff out there right now, and um, the kind of cool thing that's happening right now with uh, in-flight entertainment is that a lot of these movies, you can already get, you can download them. Um, so even if they're not on your system in the plane, you can watch them, you know, you can come on the plane with them already on your device, which is great. Like, uh, for instance, Jackie is a, it's a very interesting, uh, very experimental film that, uh, Natalie Portman was nominated. And I think the, uh, soundtrack, the score was also nominated, but, um, it just creates this weird thing where you can, you can get movies now and then bring it on the plane and watch it and not have to worry about the in-flight entertainment, which is kind of interesting. Um, I want to jump in there real fast because, yeah. you know, just for our listeners at home who may not necessarily understand the windows of release that Hollywood adheres to, of course, the movie, oh, hits, sure. the movie hits the theater first. And mm -hmm. then what's called the non-theatrical market, which, of which airlines are part of, get a little, uh, a little taste of the content first before, yeah. before it goes obviously into DVD and on demand and everything else. And that has been mm -hmm. traditionally the way it has gone. But what you're suggesting is with at least some of the titles, it is going, it's almost, is it leapfrogging the non-theatrical market? I don't know. It's really strange. Like a lot of times the movies that are, when they hit the um, uh, airlines, they're already at Redbox. 
you know, which is really strange to me because um, it doesn't it kind of takes a little bit of that shine off the uh, early window release, you know, to me. But uh, maybe that's because I live in L.A. and we, you know, movies come out here before they come out, generally before they come out anywhere else a lot of times, especially during award season. So I don't know. Maybe we're spoiled out here. I don't know. But it is it is weird. The, the window keeps getting shorter and shorter. So I think um, that's something carriers need to think about if they want their movies to stand out, you know? So if the movie is short and if you have a situation where an airline says, you know, I want X movie, but then of course it has to uh, go through the process of being prepared um, for the IFE system, of course, because these are all different proprietary systems. So it needs to be encoded and go through a lab. And then it is then has to go through the process of being then uploaded physically to the aircraft. So the supply chain for entertainment to the aircraft could probably be a little bit more streamlined. I would imagine. I think so. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I definitely. I think in the digital age, I don't know why it takes so long. You know, it's 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 strange to me. Um, yeah. If you have a film geek like me, you, you know where to get these movies. You know, you know when they're coming out on, at Redbox or, or you know, like right now, Jackie is available for purchase on iTunes and and Google Play and Amazon Video, and a lot of people will say. Well, gosh, it's only fourteen ninety five to just buy it. Uh, that's cheaper than me and my wife going out to see a movie. You know what I mean? So we'll um, just buy it, <laughs> be able to watch it on the plane. And of course, you know, I'm in Pennsylvania, so I just took my daughter to see Jackie just two weeks ago in the movie theater. Oh yeah, it's still playing here too. But yeah, no, I know. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So it's interesting. So there's lots of questions right now about, I guess, that windows of release. What exactly is the window of release for airlines? How oh. long of an exclusivity do they have? And I guess it also comes down to what, uh, which individual studios are some kind of holding tighter to the reins than, say, for example, others. We do know, of course, that the, uh, I guess you, you could call them the secondary studios outside of the big six um, mm-hmm. and also the independent studios there. They've got a lot more flexibility. They're not quite as uh, hardcore as, say, you know, the Universals and the Foxes sure. of the or world. Disney or, yeah, yeah. Tomas, does an uh, airline or some other organization have to pay to have a place in the release schedule? Oh, I don't know. I do not know the details about that. Um, that sounds a little bit like payola, though. I don't know. Is it, is it, I don't know yeah. how that works. Can one airline get it uh, sooner than others, you mean? Is that the question? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, the, the studios have, over the past uh, number of years, done some very unique kind of uh, promotional stuff with airlines well, on true. a one-on-one yeah. basis, you know, where, you know, I'm trying to think of, like, the most recent, but, like, say, Disney. Well, Batman. Yeah, Batman, so Batman and Turtle. Yeah. Of course, I, I was at that actual. <laughs> you were at the premiere, weren't right? you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Thanks, Tomas. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's a good example where they kind of reach a very specific agreement on a movie that's quite promotional. Um, but that was that was a very deep kind of relationship because, of course, Turkish Airlines Triple Seven was actually featured in that movie. So that probably. So ha- they have some flexibility, I guess, Max, would be the answer to that. But uh, by and large, no. When the movies are available for the non-theatrical market, airlines are able to pick them up. And they, you know, they work with different content service providers then that put together um, you know, their, their content for them. Um, so they work with these big names like Global Eagle Entertainment or Spafax and, uh, and others to uh, to get their lineup rolling, but it is quite a system, and I do I do find it fascinating that that you're saying that you're seeing more and more available to Moss, um, even while some are still in the theater. 
Yeah, well, you know, there's a there's a trend too with independent films to sometimes release them um, digitally the same day they come out in theaters, which I, I think is kind of weird. But um, uh, I can see that because younger people don't, I don't know, they just don't watch movies the same way we do, you know, or the same way I do. I can't speak for you guys, but uh, people aren't patient anymore. You know what I mean? There's no wait for anything. It's like I want it now, you know. So uh, it works because I, I would think, why would you go to the theater if you can just download it? But there, there is something to be said for the experience of sitting in a theater or even watching on an airplane, too. It's a totally different experience than at home. It is. It is. But uh, to answer your question, though, my, the movie I'm most excited about right now is um, I really love Arrival. I think it's really great. It starts in a month, uh, in, in actually in a few days. In uh, the first of March, a bunch of these films are coming out. Um, I think uh, Manchester by the Sea will be playing. Uh, I'm not sure about La La Land, but Lion opens in a few days on most carriers, most airplanes. Uh, so there's some good stuff. You can catch up on everything after the Oscars, <laughs> if not beforehand, you know? <laughs> I really enjoyed Hidden Figures. You know, we... Oh, yeah. My wife and I always stay for the credits. And mm. as they were rolling by, we saw the name of Bill Barry. Now, Bill's the NASA chief historian. and He's been our guest on Airplane Geeks podcast several times. So I wrote to Bill and asked about the, well, the historical accuracy of hidden figures. And he said that the screenwriters, Alison Schroeder and Ted Melfi, actually paid a lot of attention to capturing the, well, the true experience of the main characters. And mm -hmm. they uh, sent him uh, the script several times to, uh, to take a look at and review. And he had several good conversations on the phone with the writers. And he said that they did take a lot of liberties with the timeline um, and, yeah, that's what I heard. And, yeah. and it isn't strictly a documentary, but uh, Bill says it's it's excellent, and it it really does capture the the true experience of the the main characters. So th that's always nice, you know, when you see a movie that you, you want it to be accurate. Yeah, exactly. But th that's one of those movies that it's it's so great that I don't even care. Like I I, I don't want to Google it. I don't want to know. You know, like <laughs> apparently the Kevin Costner character is you know, uh, a combination of a few different characters and same with the, uh, the Jim Parsons character, yes. but they're so great. I don't want to, I don't want to ruin that. You know, they, they, it's, I mean, it, no, I mean, it was really, really entertaining. You know, you, you know? had a similar uh, mentality about Sully where it's like yeah. the NTSB were made to look like pretty kind of like the bad guys, but you're like, but it worked for the storyline. <laughs> you know, I'm really sad about Sully. Cause I, I thought Sully was fantastic. I walked out of that movie thinking this is going to win best picture. I, I thought it was really great. Um, and it got, I think it got like a, small, you know, technical nomination. I forget what, but nothing major. I was really bummed. I think people take uh, Tom Hanks and Clint Eastwood for granted. I think, you know, they've, they're so great. They've, I mean, they've got enough Oscars, you know, for a lifetime, but it's still, uh, they're still making good stuff. I mean, Clint Eastwood is, is not a young guy, you know, and he's making some really great movies. Yeah. So I was bummed about that because I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> well, we see the glitz and glamour of Hollywood sometimes seems a little bit oddly trivial in light of the drama that's unfolding on the political stage these days. But that drama seems to be an inspiration for some actors, especially comedians. We're seeing a new level of excellence, or not, depending on your political persuasion, <laughs> with Saturday Night Live. Maybe they're one of the most visible examples. Now, I don't know about you, but I need something to laugh at these days, and SNL is delivering <laughs> that. Tomas, are you observing a renaissance in art? Oh, definitely. You know, a lot of people are saying out here, at least, you know, look, look at this. Uh, whenever we've had periods of really 
economic or social strife, there's always really great art that comes out of it. And so I think we're going to see a lot of cool stuff coming out of this in, in reaction to that. And the cool thing with Saturday Night Live is they have such a quick turnaround. I mean, they write their show. They start writing it on Monday, and it's it goes on live on Saturday. You know, so it's very topical. It's very of the moment. Um, I think where you're going to most see the the quickest turnaround time with all of this um, reaction to what's happening is on the TV front, actually, because um, you know these shows you can get them on the air pretty quick. Whereas movies, you know, it's usually about like a year and a half, two years of development time. So it takes a while, unless it's an independent film that you just you know go and shoot on the street right away. <laughs> so, I, um, but I do think you're, you're already seeing a reaction to this and, and it's fun cause it's award season. You are going to have a lot of, um, I mean, Meryl Streep kind of got the ball rolling with her big speech at the golden globes, sure. but I think you're going to see a lot more of that happening in the next, well, especially this weekend at the Oscars. <laughs> um, they just had the, the writer's guild awards were last weekend and there was a lot of really great political stuff going on there too. Um, and, and it was all done with humor. So it was great. Like, uh, Patton Oswald was the host and he came out there with two, uh, Russian guards, like Russian soldiers. And he said they were in charge of the show. It was just, it was really funny stuff. Oh my gosh. I gotta say that, um, Melissa McCarthy is Spicer. Just, I can't, I mean, it's just, hilarious. I have watched that video (laughs) so many times. So So hilarious. Um, but of course, this is a really exciting time for TV content, for short content, for for stuff that doesn't fall into the kind of, you know, category of being a, you know, a lengthy movie. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And airlines obviously have some thinking to do about how they want to package this up. Now, there's the um, annual Apex multimedia market, and that's where these airlines go and they sit down with the content creators and the providers and they come up with some plans for what they're going to roll out uh, in terms of TV programs and, and gaming and apps and everything else over the next year. Tomas, I mean, is there any particular shows that you would be telling airlines, hey, be sure to check out for your lineup coming up here in the coming months? Yeah, you know what? I, the one thing I, I found that it is troublesome is a lot of the shows that they put on, they have weirdly truncated seasons. They'll, they'll only put like five episodes. And we're a nation of binge watchers now. So... I don't know. Is it that much harder to put 13 episodes? Do you know what I mean? It's, especially if you're on a longer flight, you don't want to watch five episodes of a show. And oftentimes they're not even in order, which um, I, I don't know. My daughter, you know, I have a seven year old and she would likes to watch everything in order, you know, when it actually aired I, and, and she'll watch it all in one sitting, you know? So uh, I think they need to think about that too. Don't, don't just put the five best episodes unless it's a classic series, maybe like Mary Tyler Moore or something, you know, but um, I think people are in the habit of wanting the whole thing right away, you know, and I don't know that that's, I I don't see why they can't do that now with some of these systems are pretty massive, you know, the data they can hold. The limitation is definitely not in the server technology. um, But of course the licensing of the content costs money. So if you want to offer, you know, multiple series in every episode, I will say this, and this wouldn't come as a surprise to certain stakeholders in the industry. I would love to be able to binge watch and you could, of course, have it completely cash content and it can't be that expensive. Some of these Real Housewives franchises. <laughs> That's so funny. We talked about that before. That's the, the only time I've ever watched those shows is on airplane and they're they're so addictive. They're great. Yeah. <laughs> Max, how about you? Real Housewives of Beverly Hills for you, sir, in flight? <laughs> nah, I, I don't think so. But uh, <laughs> are programs like SNL 
uh, being played uh, up in the air? Are, are airlines providing uh, access to some of these, well, I'll call them political comedy kinds of uh, content? Uh, some some carriers uh, have SNL, but I don't know if they um, have the most recent episodes. A lot of times they'll have like a, a little package of like Chris Farley's greatest hits and stuff like that. The reason I ask is because with such a polarized state in the United States these days yeah. and everybody's passion is you know running so high, is there a risk that, you know, you see fights break out uh, at 30,000 feet <laughs> as a result of yeah. disagreements over, you know, some of this content? I don't know. I mean, I, I, anything's possible. That's the thing with this, you know, every morning there's some fresh insanity happening somewhere. So, I, you know what I mean? I really don't know anymore. <laughs> well, some of the airlines are taking certain things. We do know that the airlines um, take into consideration, for example, uh, plane crash themed oh, movies. Yeah. They oftentimes don't get shown in flight. There are mm-hmm. obviously entire sections of the world that have a more conservative view about content and they actually, uh, you know, go in and it's, it's quite an expensive and, you know, uh, specific endeavor uh, to go in and kind of censor aspects and slice aspects of, uh, of a movie, but it's being done mm-hmm. for a variety of airlines um, in order to meet their audience's uh, needs. And, um, but we are seeing, Max, of course, some tensions in flight flaring. I mean, even just yesterday, I was watching a video of um, a guy on United Airlines that was kicked off for saying, you know, inappropriate things to a Pakistani couple. So tensions are high. And it does beg the question, are airlines thinking along this line as well when they're when they're getting their content ready for their IFE? Yeah, you think that these days you have to be considering those things uh, because, yeah, it is so easy for – uh, this something small to spark a, a huge passionate disagreement. I mean, you see it all over the place. You know, in a restaurant, yeah. uh, some people talking, and somebody in the next table overhears a comment and doesn't share the same political view. And next thing you know, there's you know, there's a little bit of tension growing. So, yeah, yeah, it was definitely. Um, it, it, I will say this, that if in the past the Democrats were quiet, perhaps in the past, they're less so these days. <laughs> I think people are finding their voices, Max. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> well, there was a great – I don't know if you guys watched uh, Stranger Things on uh, – it was a series on Netflix. It was, it was fantastic. It's a very weird sci-fi. Uh, it's set in 1983 and it's, it's kind of reminiscent of the Goonies and a lot of those great – movies from the 80s but um the cast is uh, they describe themselves as freaks and geeks i mean they're very odd looking actors but they're fantastic they're real you know hmm. and uh they won they won an award at the screen actors guild awards a couple weeks ago and uh one of the, the guy who plays the sheriff his name is david harbour he gave this impassioned awesome speech and most people are just talking about uh, you probably saw the video where Winona Ryder's standing next to him and she's making these strange expressions the whole time he's talking. But that's what most people talked about. But the speech itself was so great. He was basically saying, you know, as as the sheriff on the show with all these freaks and geeks, the job of artists is to uh, look out for the little guy, you know, and to, and to uh, tell stories about people who are oppressed or disenfranchised and marginalized. And we're going to do it and we're going to continue to do it with, you know, heart and joy and, you know, spirit and that's what I think the artistic community can bring, especially during times like this, you know, and, and whether you agree politically or not with what's being said, um, I, I mean, movies, movies are universal. You know, that's what's so great. There was this deep political message in um, 
<laughs> don't laugh, but uh, uh, monster trucks. <laughs> oh, is that right? <laughs> yes. No, I'm not kidding. I, I did not want to see it. My daughter's like, oh, it's so great. It's going to be about science. I'm like, what are you talking about? But it was fantastic. And the villain was big oil company that had dug into this. They dug so deep. They dug up uh, these creatures that lived under the under the earth. So they were the villains. And then the hero was like a rogue scientist who was helping the kids save the creatures, you know, and and, you know, save the uh, it was all this ecological impact type stuff. It was, it was so great, but it's steered towards middle America. It's about monster trucks. You know, I mean, literally, literally the monsters get inside the trucks and drive the trucks, but, uh, it was awesome. It was so great. And I thought this is the kind of thing that can bring people together. You know, I mean, it's, it's for all audiences and, and I'm hopeful that we see not more stuff like monster trucks, but more, you know, <laughs> <laughs> although I wouldn't mind that. It was like, it was a great movie when you can sneak the message in and, uh, and it's subtle. I, I think that's great. That's what Hollywood liberal elites do best. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I we do so. hear a lot about Hollywood liberal elite, but there are some conservatives in Hollywood too, right, Tomas? Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, the, yeah, that sure. do manage no, to I, get their message in as well, as I'm sure yeah. some of the folks that were not fans of the Sol, Sully movie had to say about uh, Clint Eastwood. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Clint Eastwood, I don't understand him, though, because he's, he's extremely conservative, but he makes these movies that are not. You know, so I, I don't know. Also, what's Sully, what's sad about Sully is it's, I heard it's not going to even play on airlines because it's because it's subject matter. I don't know how you edit that out. You can't really edit the whole movie. You know, no, there wouldn't be uh, much left if you took out the <laughs> exactly. you know the crash aspect. But I, I can understand that, it, which is too bad because yeah. it's such a great movie. Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, the New York Times article that was published recently. This kind of predicted the demise of seatback in-flight entertainment systems, maybe at least on narrow bodies, because of, well, I guess because of the passengers bringing their own devices aboard and maybe don't need the in-flight entertainment system as much as in the past. Uh, Mary, what do you think about that? Well, you know, it does take us back to our original conversation here about this early window movie content where that window is is shrinking. <laughs> So as we said, you know, it used to go from the theater to the airlines or and also also in non-theatrical are ships and schools and prisons. But it used to go from the uh, from the theater to non-theatrical, then, you know, to broader distribution. But because that window there is shrinking, um, it begs the question about the business model for embedded IFE on narrow body aircraft. There are some carriers that offer uh, embedded IFE on narrow-body aircraft, American Airlines, Delta Airlines, JetBlue here in the United States on some of their narrow bodies, um, you know, in the U.S. majors, their narrow bodies flying transcon routes generally, you know, with some exceptions, are offering seatback IFE. With all of that said, however, American Airlines recently announced that it's not going to take uh, seatback IFE on its Boeing 737 MAX deliveries on its forthcoming max deliveries. And that really is kind of a sign of the times that airlines are really seeing the move towards wireless uh, entertainment um, and also, of course, broadband connectivity to passengers' own devices on these short and medium haul flights. And that seems to be where things are pushing towards now um, and away from the seatback IFE on the narrow bodies. But however, on the long haul aircraft, the, those 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 hour flights, 
we're talking about a bit of a different situation because it sure. really is seen as a comfort factor, that CPAC screen. And it's difficult right now for me to envisage a world where airlines are not going to offer that, at least here over the coming years. They're, you know, The airlines are squeezing more and more passengers into the back of these wide-body aircraft. They're, of course, going 10 abreast on the 777. Then the 787 is 9 abreast now standard. Um, and, of course, we're even seeing some rumblings of certain Airbus types uh, going tighter as well. And at the end of the day, you know, if you're going to have a passenger sitting for 12 hours and not have a screen in front of them, it's hard to imagine that, to, that, that you would put someone through that and not, <laughs> not, give, them, uh, not give them some really good, viable content in, in front of them. Um, and then, of course, you could say, well, can't they get that on their own device? Well, then if that is the case, then you are A, agreeing then that your passengers aren't going to get what early window content is available because Hollywood does not allow at this juncture, the streaming of early window movie content to passengers own devices. So the early run movies might not then be available. Um, you know, the big blockbusters you could imagine are the ones that would really be, you'd be waiting for because those are allowed to on the seat back, uh, screen. But if it's to passengers own devices, Hollywood isn't letting that stream. Um, and it's also you're going to have to provide power to passengers, um, in-seat power to everybody. And, of course, if you're just doing a wireless entertainment solution, you better have a solution that's able to uh, provide entertainment wirelessly to every passenger's device on these ultra-long-haul flights. So it's difficult to see that airlines would remove this comfort factor from long-haul. But is it out of the question? Uh, <laughs> I dare not say at this juncture yeah, yeah. because they're certainly making it agonizing to fly with the yeah. seats situation. I mean, it's tight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think that I, I, I really like having the – it is a comfort factor having a TV there. And, you know, honestly, half the time I'm too screening it anyway. I'll watch something there and then, you know, play a video game, you know, while I'm doing it. I, I think that's a – I don't know. I hope that's not going anywhere. I mean, we've been talking about this for a long time and I don't know if it's really going anywhere. We'll see. <laughs> I don't, I just don't see it happening on these long haul aircraft for many years. I mean, the reality yeah. is that there is no in-flight connectivity solution right now available globally right now that is able to provide an at-home experience in the sky to every single passenger on board the aircraft. Will that change in the future? It, it's expected to, but we've got a few years to go before that's on offer. So to me, if I'm a family that's flying long haul, what am I doing? Do I need to show, if you're not going to offer me a seatback screen, I need to have a device for everybody in my family. I need to have power for every one of those devices. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm counting on the airline to also offer a level of viable and interesting, you know, entertainment that I'm able to access on my device. All of those things get trickier to do um, on, in that kind of world of just pure wireless world on long haul. Max, do, do you care about embedded IFE on any level as a traveler? Not so much. I think I care more about the availability of different forms, let's say, of entertainment on long-haul flights. So what I mean by that is if I'm flying across the Pacific, 
I probably don't want to watch one movie after another movie after another movie after another movie. I might want to watch a movie and then go listen to some comedy audio recording, let's say, and oh, then, yeah. Yeah. then do something else and then come back and watch another movie. So I think variety is important. And if if that variety can be provided through the IFE system, then that's great. If my own device ends up being a part of that variety, then that's good too. But if it's all on me and my device, and I can't stream things like, as you pointed out, the first-run movies, then that that's kind of limiting. Uh-huh. Has Hollywood, Tom- has, sorry, Thomas, has Hollywood given any indication that it will relent on this and allow the streaming of early window movie content to pass? I mean, I know they always cite security concerns. If they're going to go down that route, then surely they're going down the route of what you were describing earlier of the independent titles, and then you just release content to all screens at the same time. Hollywood's afraid of any sort of new technology at first, you know, and then they, they've been afraid of digital for a long time. And I'm like, well, digital is obviously here to stay. So it's time to, the time to start thinking about this was, you know, five years ago. Um, they'll catch up and they're catching on. And I think they're starting to realize like for instance, CBS all access, they have a streaming, uh, there's a big controversy right now about this. They have, they have their own, um, it's like a Netflix type thing, but they have commercials. So you pay for this. It's a pay service and you have commercials, which is absolutely infuriating to me. I mean, it's five ninety nine, so it's not as expensive as Netflix or something else. But if you're paying for a service, I don't want to watch commercials. You know what I mean? Don't 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 charge me and then also make money off me from advertisers. It's it's really, uh, I think Hollywood's still trying to figure out how do we monetize this. And um, once they figure that out, it'll be all over the place. They're still squeezing these windows for everything that they've got. Yeah. I mean, exactly. they're like, why? I guess Hollywood, if I was to put myself in their shoes, I'd be like, why? What's the big rush? I'm still yeah. making money on this window and that window. You know, like, yeah. why? Yeah. You know, and then, of course, the big question becomes if you're in a state where, well, you release content to all screens, what does that mean to the, the movie theater experience? Does that, mm-hmm. what does it m- mean to theaters across the country? And I can tell you this, I still like the option of taking my kid to see a movie that we can't see anywhere else. I like oh, that. No, totally. You know, yeah. there's still the experience. Yeah. What else are we going to no, do I mean, on a Saturday afternoon? Uh, yeah, or opening weekend, going to see a horror movie and everybody's screaming. It's fun. No, going to movies is, is awesome. And I don't think you can replicate that experience, you know. Even on an airplane, you can't because everybody's watching their own their own channel, you know, their own thing. So it's not the same. <laughs> It's interesting. Well, things are definitely evolving. I think that's fair to say, yeah. Max, right? Yes, absolutely. They they never stay uh, constant. No, no. Everything's evolving. We're trying to keep up with all of it. And just as a heads up, um, we just learned, and I just wrote a piece about it for our premium audience, that Rockwell Collins has decided to no longer offer seat back in flight entertainment systems. So, um, it, which is interesting. They don't have a very big footprint in the sector anymore. They used to be a big dog, but they don't now. Um, but still their decision is driven in part by the fact that, well, largely because of the fact that the narrow body aircraft are gravitating towards these wireless and broadband connectivity solutions. And that's really where they had kind of a stronger footprint. So uh, just kind of in just an interesting little footnote there that we're evolving to the point where some are getting out of this sector. And we should also expect 
newbies jumping in to the wireless <laughs> entertainment world. So uh, for sure, I, I think it's a it's a great way to differentiate yourself too as a carrier. You know, uh, somebody once said to me at a, a CSP that our content service provider that they um. One of the most enjoyable things on an airplane is discovering some little weird foreign film you've never heard of or some little hidden gem. It's fun. And especially like Max was saying, on a long haul flight, too, you'll take a chance on something that you normally wouldn't. You know, sure, you might have seen Doctor Strange or Batman in the theater, but what's this weird little Tunisian film, you know, or whatever? I mean, there's 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 some great stuff out there. And I think airlines that that pay attention to that and that curate a great selection of films, they're going to be rewarded for that because people are going to, they're going to remember where they saw the movie and they're going to talk about it to their friends. And it's a selling point to me, you know, I think it's a great way. So it's like, it's really about now the airlines and their partners needing to step up with their curation, really finding interesting content that we might not otherwise be exposed to and giving Mm -hmm. some really creative options that say you wouldn't normally have in front of your own television, obviously. Um, so that's mm-hmm. curation seems to be a big part of underscoring that business model going forward. It's got the, the pressure is on these partners to really step up. Mm-hmm. Definitely. With the IFE guys, they also need to there needs to be something where it's a little bit more flexible. And we're starting to see some of these systems where um, at Singapore Airlines does it. And now Lufthansa just announced it where the passenger's device is syncing up with the with the IFE and you're able to uh, use your, you know, your smartphone, almost like a, a remote control. And you're able to place orders, for example, and, and you know, click through it like uh, so. So secondary sort of secondary device use in flight with the IFE, secondary apps, it's all happening, but it it sounds like it needs to happen fast because we're moving, moving, moving. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know exactly. You know, it's funny that you say Singapore and uh, Lufthansa, they have some of the nicest uh, information on their website about what's playing each month. Singapore makes a new video every month that shows little clips and they're great. They're really well made. And it shows clips from all the movies that are playing that month. Um, most carriers don't do that. So they obviously know what their audience is looking for. Lufthansa does the same thing. They have a really great, it's easy to navigate the site. You can figure out what movies are on your flight very easily. Some of them it's, you know, um, I don't want to name any names, but there's a couple of carriers where I'm like, good Lord, how do I find what's playing on my plane? That's, I just want to know what's on this plane, you know, and you can't beforehand. And it's really annoying. Yeah, it should be easy. Exactly. It should be super easy, but it's not on a lot of them. But Singapore and, and Lufthansa are one of the best. They're, they're two of the best. They have really great information before you go. Air France and uh, British Airways, too, have some great information on there, too. Okay. Very interesting. Well, it sounds like some airlines might be missing a trick. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) well, and what's cool, you were talking about the Trump effect and, you know, movies reacting to that. A lot of these, there's some great foreign films that have been dealing with dictatorships and dictatorial rule for a long time. And their movies are suddenly very resonant to Americans, you know. So I think that's another thing you're going to start to see is these uh, these countries have dealt with this kind of stuff for a long time. It's new to us what's happening. So I think, you know, if you're looking for very relevant, timely content. There's some great stuff out there too from other countries, you know. Very interesting. Well, that is, uh, I'm sure we will be hearing from some of our listeners about this section, uh, about this episode. <laughs> 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 
Oh, speaking of dictatorships. Okay. Uh, well, we're, unfortunately, we're rapidly coming to a close. We want to thank our listeners. And remember, you can find us online at runwaygirlnetwork.com and on iTunes. And of course, feel free to send us your comments about the shows. Um, be sure to follow all the Runway Girl Network activity on Twitter at, at @runwaygirl, and remember to use the PaxX hashtag when tweeting about the passenger experience. Join in the conversation; we would love to have you. I'd like to reiterate our thanks to our sponsor, Egate Solutions, and I'd like to thank Tomas for being our guest. Thank Tomas? you for having me, guys. It was fun. Thanks. Where can listeners find you at? You can check out my IFE film review um, column is every Saturday morning, it appears, on uh, Runway Girl. And then um, I'm on Twitter at, at TN Romero. Very good. Tomas, it's been a pleasure talking with you. hope we have another opportunity in the future. Great. Thanks, Max. And we'll ask all of you to join us again next time as we talk about the passenger experience on the PaxX Podcast. Take care, everyone. Mm-hmm.